You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel on the show. And for your Thursday preview, we bring on... Adam Munster-Teager of BuffStampede.com, our Colorado affiliate for 24-7 Sports, to get you in the know ahead of this Oregon at Colorado game. Adam, thanks for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, Eric and I are pretty fired up to, to get out to Boulder for our first time ever. And Eric dropped some notes like, what, first time in seven years, Oregon being in Boulder? That's crazy. Yeah, it is. And I remember a couple of those Marcus Mariota games in Boulder, and he was just kind of toying with the Buffaloes back back, <laughs> back in the day. And I'm trying to think, outside of 2016, these matchups between the Ducks and Buffs have not gone so well for, for Colorado. Yeah, hopefully we get dealt a good game. Um, I don't know how we define that at this point in time. Um, but let's dive into this. Big picture wise here for a second. It's another year where Colorado is in a rebuild. Uh, we'll get into the staff, the discussion points, the players, but just from a big picture standpoint, just what's the health of this program and the the health of this athletic department having to go through another coaching change for what, like the third time in five or six seasons, um, just Where's the fan base at? Or have they lost interest? Is there still strong support? Uh, what's the health of Colorado's football program, just from a really big picture perspective? The support is still there, surprisingly. You know, you've seen more fans make their way to Folsom Field this year than, frankly, the football team deserves based on the performance they put out there on the field for their game against Cal would that be two and a half weeks ago now where they won in overtime? I mean, it was close to a packed house. It wasn't quite a sellout, wow. but it was a pretty impressive crowd. And I know Colorado fans got some flack for rushing the field after that, but I mean, they just have suffered through so much bad football. They wanted for one day just to pretend that things were okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so aside from that, I would say, uh, you know, this is a, a program that's in a tough spot right now. It was already a program that was consistently going five and seven, having a hard time getting to a bowl game. And then the landscape of college football changed. NIL is not a space that Colorado is really competing in. You know, they do have fan support in terms of people showing up to games, but they don't have the big money boosters to really pump money into NIL. They finally have a collective now as of late last week for the first time. So they're really behind the eight ball as far as that goes. They're playing, they're trying to play catch up with NIL. And, you know, with the transfer portal, they lost six starters to the transfer portal last year. And so 
when you're already having a hard time building a winning product on the field and going five and seven, and then you lose six starters, then you get the product that we saw that we've seen this season. You know, it's just really tough when you can't keep your top players in Boulder. Christian Gonzalez was a guy that Colorado put a lot of work into developing. He took his lumps his freshman year. And then last year, transitioned into being a really good player. And then so at that point, you know, most programs then, you know, get the the, the fruit of the labor there. They get, yep. you know, the player as an upperclassman really thriving. Well, Christian Gonzalez, and, and a good kid, I don't, you know, I don't think Colorado fans uh, hold it against him. I mean, you know, credit to him for being able to go to Oregon and enjoy the success he's had because it's given him more exposure to potentially be an early round draft pick. So I, I think most reasonable Colorado folks understand that, but from the perspective of where, of where the Buffaloes are trying to build as a program, you know, that just kills you. And so they've had to play guys a year or two before they're probably ready. Talented guys, but just too many freshmen and true sophomores that are part of the mix and are asked to be starters and key players for this Colorado program. And so it's going to be tough. I mentioned that they finally have an NIL collective now. Uh, there's also an issue they have as a program with bringing transfers in. So you lose six transfers to the transfer portal going out, and they were able to bring a couple guys in. Josh chandler Tomato, who led West Virginia in tackles last year, is one of their key linebackers, so that helps. Uh, you brought in R.J. Sneed from Baylor. He led the Bears in receiving two years ago, but uh, he suffered a foot injury in the spring showcase and really hasn't played up to the level of what we saw him play at Baylor. Aside from that, it was really tough because Colorado has some uh, transfer credit issues where they can't really bring in second and third year guys in college. So they either have to bring in transfers that are in their first year of college or are grad transfers. And so there are some of those guys out there, but that pool of guys that you're Windows. looking at is smaller and you're already a program that doesn't have recent success on the field. So it's just really tough. The only thing that Colorado really has is currency to try to bring in folks and, and talented guys from high school or transfers that fit into that first or grad transfer window are, you know, the guys that really want to play because that's what Colorado could offer right now is playing time. And so they'll have to do that again. They do just need a head coach that has that charisma that, that can sell Boulder. Tad Boyle on the basketball side has done that. You know, he's found a way to make it work without making excuses. Uh, it's really challenging Rick George, Colorado's athletic director, is trying to find that guy right now. It does help this time around. They have two months to find their next head coach. When they hired Carl Durrell, it was basically in panic mode because Mel Tucker left to Michigan State in early February with spring ball set to kick off at, at Colorado. So they were scrambling. You know, There just aren't a lot of coaches in the market in February. Guys have figured out where they're going to be for that upcoming year, and so – uh, they took a chance on Carl Durrell, and that just didn't work out. Good guy, but just no personality and, and no ability to really uh, try to get the the 18 to 22-year-old young men in this program fired up to, to play football. It's important to have energy as a head coach at this level. And Carl Durrell had spent, outside of his head coaching stint at UCLA, spent most of his career in the NFL, and it just it was a different animal. He came back to the college game and recruiting had changed so much and then NIL had changed and the portal had changed. And so he was 
trying to figure out how to do it. And it was just, he couldn't do it in a short period of time. And again, didn't have the personality really to sell Colorado. Adam, I want to talk about the person that's replaced Carl Durrell and that's Mike Sanford in, you know, elevated to interim head coach, I guess, first off, is there a chance he retains the position? Is that even a possibility? And then just bigger picture, what has he done to maybe reshape things? I think it's always impressive when an interim head coach comes in and gets a win, especially when a team is struggling the way they were. That win over Cal kind of stands out to me. I know head coach Dan Lanning from Oregon's side has talked about how the team seems to be playing with fire. They don't seem like a team that's quit on their season. Obviously, that is, I think, the, the, the ultimate barometer when you're looking at an interim coach. How can they kind of get that program kind of on the right footing? What have you seen from him? And then to my earlier question, kind of, is he someone that you could see sticking around in a, in a full-time capacity? It's going to be tough. Mike Sanford probably needed to go four and three. And maybe you would consider him if he went three and four down the stretch. But they have just that one win against Cal. And then the month of November is just a really daunting stretch for the Buffaloes. They start with Oregon this week. Then, you know, they, they've got to play on the road at USC. They play at Washington, and then they play Utah in Boulder. So they're 31.5-point underdogs this week. They're probably going to be 25-plus-point underdogs in every game they play the rest of the way. So I just don't think it's possible for them to get the wins. To be able to sell Mike Sanford as the permanent replacement for Carl Durrell, but I will say he's been just phenomenal in the interim role everything that you'd kind of want the next head coach at Colorado to do, he's been doing in terms of media relations and his charisma in recruiting. They've picked up a couple commitments this week, which just seems strange because these guys are committing to a program where they don't, they don't know who the head coach is going to be in the future. But Mike Sanford has just really brought a lot of energy with him into the gig. And uh, I think I, I wrote it in my response to, to your email, Eric, for the Q and a that, you know, he's relating with not just the star players on the team, but he's found roles for for walk-ons that have made an impact, you know, that were a key in Jordan Tyson returning an 88-yard punt return for a score against Arizona State last Saturday. He's gotten guys that uh, weren't even dressing to now be key guys on special teams, and he's relating with everybody in the building. Uh, and he comes into those press conferences, and, and they were pretty dull when Carl Durrell was the head coach at Colorado it was kind of like going to study hall almost. And now it's, it's a, it's a fun atmosphere to be around. You know, they've, they've changed up the way they practice and it's just a lot more energetic, a lot more fun for the players. So that that's all been great, but you gotta, it's a bottom line industry. And if he goes you know, with one win down the stretch, you just, you can't, you can't hire the guy, unfortunately. And, and this isn't his staff, you know, who knows, if he brought in the guys that he wanted to and run ran things the way he really wanted to, how that would look. But I don't think we're going to get an opportunity to see that. But Mike Stanford, if I was a, you know, a head coach at, I don't know, a San Jose state and you're in the market, maybe that's, you know, they'd like their coach right now, but a market like that, I would hire Mike Stanford without question. He's, he's definitely got a lot going for him as a coach. You've already done a lot of this, Adam and, and good answers. I appreciate the, kind of the details you've given here on, on this search, because I think there's some Oregon fans who are curious. This will be the last one before we get into some of the game stuff, but like what kind of traits other than what you've already outlined that maybe Mike has provided and are kind of needed to rebuild this program. And then if you can share maybe a couple of internal, if there are other internal candidates or if there are people 
on the outside that have emerged that you think are, are worth kind of looking at here? As you said, kind of interesting when you have such a you know, large window to make a decision. It gives you some time, which can be a good thing, but maybe sometimes that's not the case. Well, you guys are, are coming out to Boulder this weekend, and I, I'm curious to get your take on after visiting it. I mean, it's a pretty special place. There's a lot to sell at Colorado. It's, it's a destination place. Uh, they don't have the recent success in these recruits. They don't have long memories. And mm. so if you can somehow get a coach in that is able to sell Boulder the way it, it can be sold – like I mentioned, Carl Drill didn't have the personality to do that. So somebody that, that can have the charisma similar to what Mike Sanford has done here, pulling in commitments when those guys don't know who the head coach is going to be. So that's the key. There are the limitations with the NIL and bringing transfers in. And we have heard the, the new president of Colorado mention that they might potentially make some changes to make it easier to bring in transfers down the road. That would be huge because obviously the landscape of college football – if you're not bringing in guys every year, it's going to be really tough to sustain success. And so that would be big for them. But really just finding somebody that's passionate about the place. And I think if you, Mike McIntyre was pretty close to doing that in 2016. They won 10 games when the Pac-12 South went to the Alamo Bowl. But he wasn't – he was more of a program uh, builder than a guy that could kind of take that next step as the coach. Uh, you brought in Mel Tucker, and he did some things really well in 14 months, but he was only in town for 14 months. Uh, somebody like that that actually is willing to stick around, I, I think, is what this program needs. But you know, it seems uh, pretty dire right now just because they haven't had that success. But you put together a couple six-win seasons, and I think you could see this program kind of pull itself out of being a, a continual laughingstock into a, more of a competitive program. One more final question about big picture stuff at Colorado before we take a quick break and we get to the game. But Kenny Dillingham, there's a lot of interest from ASU standpoint in him, Oregon's offensive coordinator. Just what have you heard? Is he would he qualify as a candidate for Colorado? There's a lot of excitement with him and what he can do with you know on the offensive side of the ball at Oregon. Is that a guy that would fit the criteria for Colorado? He checks a lot of the boxes for sure. Now, this is Rick George's third head coaching hire, and he's under a lot of heat right now. You know, fans are, are pretty frustrated with him as Colorado's athletic director. So he's got a hit on this hire. And I think with Dillingham being so young, maybe that's a risk it'd be really hard for him to take, even as well as he's done there at Oregon. Just he doesn't have that lengthy resume and that history as a head coach that I think Rick George would ideally like to have just because his job, you know, and his, his legacy at Colorado kind of hinges on this hire. And so that would be risky for the simple fact of his age. All right. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation uh, with Adam about the Colorado Buffalo and the Oregon duck football game this weekend. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, welcome back to the Autzen Audible's podcast. All right, Adam, um, let's talk this actual game on, on the field on Saturday. Uh, every team, no matter the level of how high they are or, you know, how low they are. They've got talent. There's, there's players on Colorado's team that would play for some of these, you know, better programs in the PAC 12, but just from your perspective, who are those guys on this team that Colorado, you know, that Oregon fans need to know about that. Hey, man, maybe collectively this team isn't very good, but at this position group, they're loaded. They've got talent here that, you know, that's going to push Oregon, make, make things difficult. I wouldn't say there's necessarily a position group that, that's loaded, but yeah, there are individual players throughout the roster that you know would be able to compete at, at some of the better programs. Uh, like I mentioned, Christian Gonzalez was a guy that was developing in Colorado and then transferred to Oregon, and, and he's done really well there. Guys that are kind of in that mold, maybe not quite to the extreme of Gonzalez because he's a, a pretty special talent, but right. Casey Roddick at guard is a guy that's going to have a chance to get drafted into the NFL Montana Lamonius Craig at receiver has started to come on here recently, especially since the coaching change made a really impressive touchdown grab in overtime in their win over Cal. And as a guy that they're, they're targeting more and more as the season goes along true freshman wise, Jordan Tyson Mm -hmm. has really come on. He was the PAC 12 freshman of the week this week, the PAC 12 special teams player of the week as well, had over a hundred yards receiving and uh, had an 88 yard 
punt return for a touchdown against Arizona State last week. And he's a guy that you've seen early on, had a few drops, and he just continues to gain confidence. And he's going to be a guy that you'll see them target on Saturday as well. Terrence Lang as a defensive end is a fifth-year senior that has started to come on and has adapted well. We talked a lot about Carl Jarrell getting fired as a head coach. Well, Colorado also fired Chris Wilson as their defensive coordinator. And since they made that change, Gerald Chapman has moved some pieces around defensively and gotten a little bit more out of them, especially in the first game. They held Cal to 35 rushing yards in that game. Now they haven't looked as good defensively in the last two weeks against Oregon State and Arizona State, but you, you started to see some of the individual guys on defense shine a little bit more. And Terrence Lang's one of those guys. Guy Thomas off the edge is a senior that that has shown the ability to get after the quarterback at times, and, and he started to play better since the coaching shakeup. And then on the back end, at safety, Trevor Woods is a guy that's uh, developed into a pretty good playmaker for Colorado. He ranks fourth in the Pac-12 in tackles per game and got his first interception last week against Arizona State. So those are kind of the, the key pieces that I would highlight. And I mentioned Josh chandler Samedo transferred in from West Virginia, linebacker, and, and led West Virginia in tackles last year. He hasn't quite played up to the level that Colorado fans were hoping when he joined the team, but he's still a real experienced, heady player that uh, is capable of racking up 12, 13 tackles in a game. I, I want to talk about quarterback, Adam. I mean, this is usually something we do on these podcasts. We want to familiarize listeners with quarterbacks. I, it was it was interesting. I don't know what the right adjective is to use to describe Colorado's quarterback situation this year. It's just kind of been messy. I don't know if that's appropriate. Start with Lewis, who was a guy he eat last year. I think there was some optimism maybe that he would develop into a pretty high-end player. And he, he made the first start, and he was in the transfer portal, what, two or three weeks ago. Um, they then turned to Josh McCown's son. Uh, Owen, true freshman, had some nice moments. He's dealing with an injury. I know you told us in uh, our Q&A he might not play the rest of the season. He might try to preserve the redshirt year. And it's now been JT Shrout, who was actually – his best game was in the the, the rest of the – I guess to, to close out the win over California. But his completion percentage is under 50% on the season. He's been kind of, I would say, inaccurate, maybe putting it lightly. I, it, it feels like – you know, a team can only go so far as its quarterback. And if your quarterback play has been so up and down, not, you know, three different guys are starting. You, the guy you're starting now is is a less than 50% completion percentage guy. That feels like it's hard to overcome. Am I being overly critical? Or would you tell me from boots on the ground that it's been better than the way I'm outlining it? No, it's been pretty brutal, <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you. I mean, when, when you're, your best quarterback is – Clearly, your best quarterback is a 157-pound true freshman that wasn't even an early enrollee. That's a problem. Uh, so, yeah, Owen McCown is that 157-pound true freshman who, like you mentioned, he's the the son of an 18-year NFL quarterback. So he definitely picked up the offense quicker than your average true freshman would. But there's still, you know, things you have to experience yourself at the college level before you can improve. And he was starting to do that in the Cal game. He took a couple shots, took one to the abdomen. And the thought is, especially at this point, there's no chance Colorado goes to a bowl game. And the best thing for him is to sit out the rest of this year, maintain four years of eligibility and come back in 2023. Um, and hopefully for, for Colorado fans out there, that's, 
you know, coming back to Colorado because there's definitely some concern. There's some true freshmen that have really stepped up lately that this next head coach is going to have to recruit to stay and keep them in Boulder. So Owen McCown will be one of those. Brennan Lewis, it was it was getting darn right stubborn of the staff by putting him out there continuously. We saw him for 12 starts last year and saw minimal improvement and didn't really see a ton of improvement through spring ball and preseason. So it surprised everyone when he started their season opener against TCU, and it was kind of the same Brennan Lewis. Not that he's a horrible quarterback, but he just doesn't take any chances. And you can't win football games at this level if – you just every time there's any pressure, you're throwing it out of bounds, and so he uh, he he was third on the depth chart when he entered the portal. He just wasn't going to play at Colorado again. And JT Shroud was put in some tough situations early on. His first start at CU was in week two at Air Force, and even though it was early September, it was just miserable conditions down at the Air Force Academy. It was borderline sleets going on and. They didn't have the right gloves on the receivers, and so he was never comfortable in that game. The next week, in week three at, at Minnesota, they rotated Shrout and Brennan Lewis every other series, which is probably the worst idea when you're trying to figure out the quarterback position because neither of those guys could get comfortable in that game. The score got out of hand really early. Then they went to Owen McCown for a while, and then it wasn't until Owen McCown took those shots, like I mentioned in the Cal game, where they went back to JT Shrout, threw a couple nice balls in that win late against Cal, but the, the, the game-winning score in overtime against Cal was a, a ball that it looked like it was a horrible throw, but Montana Lamonius Craig just made an incredible play to somehow come down with the foot inbounds. And then out at Oregon State in JT Shrout's next start was he looked horrible, just no accuracy. Last week against Arizona State, he made a couple really nice throws, but again, just the consistency was not there. He makes poor decisions, uh, doesn't have accuracy like you mentioned, doesn't know how to really throw touch on the ball at times. There's some screen passes where he just fires it in there 100 miles an hour, and he just has not learned how to change speed with his throw. Sometimes it looks like a kid trying to skip rocks on a lake, you know, it just, it just comes firing in there. And because of that, if the throws a little bit off, it doesn't give the receiver any chance to adjust to the ball. And so that that's been part of the issue. Now he does have a lot of arm talent and he doesn't have a ton of experience, even though he's a junior, he only started one game at Tennessee before he transferred to Colorado tore his ACL missed all of last year. And so his starts have come that, that have kind of detailed here in the last couple of minutes some in bad you know, weather conditions, uh, but he's been given a chance here the last couple of weeks and he hasn't really run with that opportunity. And so it's hard to be too optimistic about that position going into Saturday's game. Adam, what, maybe this is like a two-parter that are loosely connected here, but what's just, first of all, what's the atmosphere going to be like you anticipate? It's a top 10 team coming in. Like you said, when Cal came, it was near sellout. You know, a what's the atmosphere going to be like that Oregon faces, and then B just is there a position group that you feel like can at least hold water and match up well with Oregon on either side of the ball? It doesn't have to be both. Just is there a position group that you feel like hey, there's confidence internally, externally that they're going to play well? They'll match up with Oregon. The atmosphere will probably be the worst it's been this year. I think oh, the fact that. 
they lost to Arizona State and some of the excitement around the new coaches, you know, Mike Sanford taking over as the interim has started to kind of wane a little bit. Uh, we've got a lot more people getting rid of tickets on our message board this week than we've had other weeks. And so I don't think it's going to be a, a super great atmosphere. You'll still see a better crowd than probably a one in seven team should have. I'll put it that way. Um, there's no real unit that's going to go into this game with an edge over Colorado. I would say Colorado's offensive line was among the worst in the country in 2021, and they've improved quite a bit. It's still not the top half of the Pac-12 group, but that group has gradually gotten better, and Deion Smith at running back came back from a scary injury two weeks ago against Cal. He actually left the game on a stretcher, came back last week and had his first 100-yard rushing game. Um, they're hoping to get Alex Fontenot, who was their top back coming into the season, back this week. He was just cleared for contact drills on Tuesday. So the running game of Colorado's with Colorado's offensive line playing a little bit better would be the one area where Colorado could maybe have some success on Saturday. You know, I, Adam, I just kind of am wondering here what would constitute success for Colorado. And I'm, I'm not trying to be dismissive. Um, it's a 31. I was just looking at the lines, like a 31 and a half point favorite, which is a lot of points. It's hard to make up. Oregon is kind of firing on all cylinders. Colorado clearly hasn't been. Would you tell me that there's some optimism that this game could be competitive for four quarters and Colorado could pull this out? Or what like what what are fans expecting like that would make them come away feeling like that was a that was a positive Saturday experience? Yeah, Colorado's not winning Saturday's game. Uh, <laughs> so we'll we'll throw that out initially. What would constitute a moral victory, I think, would be that you have folks tuning into the second half. You know, they, if you go into halftime at least, I don't know, within a couple scores, I don't know how realistic that is, but just to have a reason for Colorado folks to feel like it's worth you sticking around past halftime, I guess, would be the answer there. Or, I don't know, folks that are gambling on the game, uh, you know, being able to cover that spread, I guess would be the answer there. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I've, there's been a couple games. I remember back in 2012 when Colorado had a similarly awful season, they went one and 11 that year and fired John Embry as our coach that year. They were a 30 something point underdog and Oregon had covered by midway through the second quarter. So, you know, people look at that 31 and a half point spread and think that's a lot of points, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if going into halftime, Oregon's already, already covered that. <laughs> Adam, uh, last question from me is just, you've covered, you've done this a long time. I, I, I've associated our coverage of Colorado with you. Um, that's all I know. Um, is this as dark as it's been? Because I, and I don't want to make, make make fun of Colorado, but just can you give us an idea of just is this as bad as it's been at, at Colorado? Because it doesn't feel like, yes, it's a 31-point spread, but it, there's very little positives right now coming out of Colorado. Is there any kind of positive coming out of Colorado football right now? I would say the 2012 team that I referenced there that went 1-11, they actually ranked dead last out of FBS programs in scoring margin that year. That was slightly tougher to watch that team, say slightly. And 
that's only because they they fired Durrell after five games and Mike Sanford's injected this program with some energy. Had they continued to stick with Carl Durrell, it probably would have been similar, maybe even worse than that 2012 team. So it's pretty bad. And I mentioned the issues bringing transfers in with the landscape of NIL. It's just really tough for Colorado to compete. But uh, you hire the right coach. And, and like I mentioned, Boulder has things to sell. You know, it's it's not a place that's out in the middle of nowhere that no one wants to go to. But it's going to be a tough rebuild for whoever takes over. Uh, it's pretty bleak right now, though, and, and it's tough to find that optimism. Well, Adam, thank you for coming on the show, giving us perspective of Colorado. Look forward to uh, crossing paths with you in the press box. I know Eric and I are pretty jacked up about this one. Um, we'll be we'll be excited to be there for sure, 100%. And uh, thanks again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Catch up with you down the road. Of course, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!